All right, friends, welcome to today's Revelation Wellness Podcast, where I, Elisa Keaton, get to sit down with you. Hopefully you are able to take notes and take in this teaching as we are doing our final stage, kind of talking through the final stage of metabolizing pain. But before we get going, the book is available right now. Like as I'm speaking, it is the Thursday after the Tuesday that the book, The Body Revelation is out in the world. You can order it now. Go to Amazon, go to anywhere books are sold and get the book. And hopefully, God willing, if we haven't sold out, uh, you will get that book. That's kind of why we encourage the early orders, the pre-orders, but you should be in a good spot to get this book in your hands as soon as possible. And then remember, everyone who has the book and has claimed their pre-order bonuses, so you do need to claim order the book, claim the bonuses in order for us to have your email address, then we are gonna send you an invitation to the Summer Body Book Club. I actually kind of wanted to call it the Summer Body Sweaty Book Club, but you're not gonna get that sweaty. I promise you, you can come and do this book club with me in your pajamas. I promise, you don't even have to put on a bra nothing else no support needed just come with the support of your small group father son holy spirit <laughs> bring your body for 30 minutes on a monday night uh, we will get embodied i will give you some practices so something i can't do here um, in, on the revving the words uh, you'll be able to see me i can show you some things we can get embodied it's going to help reset your nervous system and get you in the right frame of body mind so that on the back 30 minutes i'm going to teach and train and coach to that concept or that stage of metabolizing pain. So the last six weeks we have been going over it, but you don't have the book in your hands. Now let's get the book in your hands and come train with me on a Monday night from 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 9 p.m. Do the math for all the time zones. And if you can't make it live, we will send you the recordings and you will have those recordings to keep until the end of the year. So you can do this book whenever you want to do it. But I can promise you this, this is the right time to do this book. This book is not a try harder book. This book is not a get your ducks in the row book. This book is a, hey, let's release the ducks and let them go swim in the lake while we sit on the shore and relax and rest and rebuild from rest. And that doesn't mean there aren't some things we can be invited to do, but it's always an invitation. So if you are staying free by staying free from the obsess and neglect cycle when it comes to your body, if you have tried all the things and you still feel stuck, you can say all the declarations over your body, but you still feel like it's not true for you, there's a deeper reason why. And it's not just a spiritual stronghold and sin, although that's part of it, it's also biological too and we can partner with our body for healing. And that's why I wrote this book, and that's why right now you can get it in your hands and join us for the Summer Body Book Club. Anyone who pre-orders the book, or I'm sorry, orders the book, because we're now done, we're, the book is available, order the book and then go claim your bonuses, which are good through this week and next week, then you will be in the Summer Body Book Club and we will get you the link to come to those Monday night uh, trainings as of Monday, June 26. And again, can't make it live? You can watch the replay. All right, friends, let's go ahead and transition now and take a deep breath. Why don't we inhale right now, everyone together for the count of four. Take a breath in, one, two, 
three, four. Exhale, one, two. Again, inhale through the nose, one. Exhale, one, two, three, four. Good. All right, friends, let's jump in. Jesus, help us be with us in this time. And we want what you died to give. We want the reward of your suffering, our freedom. And we want to give you the reward for your suffering. God, our glory to you, our worship of you, our adoration of you, our single-mindedness on you with a wholehearted faith. Come into this time and teach us, Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, the final stage. I feel like there should be some celebration music. I don't know. just feels like there should be a lot going on. I don't know. Maybe the editor will put some stuff in or some cheers, applause. You are in the home stretch. On Monday, we planted the seed, a sweaty seed of revving the word, of talking about the sixth stage, the final stage of metabolizing our pain. And that's called taking ownership. Taking ownership. Earlier in the book, I mentioned how it's not your fault. Like it's not our fault that this bad negativity, thoughts, beliefs that have been passed down to us, it's not our fault. We've been generationally inherited some of this stinking thinking and even sickness and disease itself can be set up in our genetic code. But there is something called epigenetics. Just because you have it in your DNA doesn't mean it will go off. We can actually turn on and off some of our sickness and disease genes by how we think and how we put what environment we put ourselves in externally and the environment that's inside of us internally. And so although it's not our fault, what happened to us, it's, it's now just an inherited byproduct of living in a fallen world. We do have responsibility. We have the ability to respond. We are invited to take ownership. In Luke 15, 31, the story of the prodigal son, which we've been going through, and I kind of use it in the body revelation as a touch point, a, a story on the journey of coming back to ourselves to come back to the Father. In Luke 15, 31, it says this, and he said to him, he being the father in this story that Jesus tells with his two sons, one is a prodigal and one is the older son who is upset that the, the young rebellious son is getting a party thrown in his name. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. All that is mine is yours. Remember, in the beginning, God made us in his image, in his likeness, and then he declared us good. And then he commanded us, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and have dominion. We were created to rule over all the creepy things. We were created to reign and co-reign and co-rule with God, walk with him in the garden of the day. Now he is God, but he extends himself to us in relationship. But because we gave in to sin and temptation and because we are prone to want our own desires, our own way, because we just don't see straight anymore, then we will forfeit our right to the ownership we have in the kingdom. But Jesus won the keys back. And our ability to increase and multiply good 
will happen with tension. No matter what, there will be tension. But it's not pain, everyone. That's one reason we get you in your body here. We want you to feel the tension. You probably feel stressed out. We want to press into that and press into it and release the stress. So there is some discomfort. There is tension, but there is not pain. And in the book, I make a case where I believe in the beginning, there was tension. There was a little bit of discomfort to work, but discomfort isn't pain. Discomfort is tension, opposition. But that's how things grow here on earth. There was gravity. There, there was a need to still sleep and rest. We were on earth while we reigned with God. We were created for earth and there are limitations. And so we feel tension, but tension isn't pain. And in that tension, we give in to temptation often. And when we give in to temptation, we forfeit our keys to the kingdom. We forfeit. It's like we freely let things come into our house where this body home was meant to hold and contain peace. But because of my desires, misplaced and misused, I want other things and let those things into my body home. And we need to subdue and take dominion, which means take out the trash and take into bondage. We have the responsibility because God has given us the key. Jesus won back authority on the cross over sin, death, sickness, disease. We are then handed authority to co-rule and co-reign. All that was Jesus's is now ours. But we have to know that we have that authority. And that authority is what we are here to exercise. But here's something really important to know. That authority does not come from the knowledge of God or even the knowledge of scriptures about God, but intimacy with the God of the scriptures. We don't read scriptures just to know about God. I can know about a celebrity. I can know about someone, but never actually know them. In the Gospels, uh, Jesus is teaching in the synagogues, and it says here, it says, And when he finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Remember, the scribes know scripture. The scribes, it's their job. Their, script, their job was to write scripture down, to keep scripture, to store it up, keep it secure. They knew scripture hand to pen onto paper, they would write the scriptures and they could roll open the scriptures and the scribes could read the scriptures in the synagogue. But there's something different about Jesus. When he read, he read like someone who had authority. What does that mean? Scribes had authority, the synagogue rulers had authority. No, his authority came from intimacy. He was with the God, and he is the God who was there when the scriptures were written. He is God, and so he has intimacy with God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Intimacy with the God of the scriptures is what brings us authority, friends. How is your intimacy with God? This is why it's important when we read scripture that we let scripture read us. 
that we don't read scripture to point and blame and make a case for our pain. It actually means we go, God, here's my heart and it hurts. I feel mad. I feel bad. I feel sad. I feel scared. And in that knowing we are known, we are given authority. And authority is the right to rule and power is the ability. Intimacy leads to authority. And because we have authority, we have power. But without authority, an authority that comes from God, we have a power that can hurt others. We can wield our fleshly power around and masquerade it in scripture. And there's some of this going on in the church and this is why it is time for us to heal. So one of the chapters in this stage, it's titled, Don't Lose the Keys. You need to keep your house key, the authority. And remember, the only place you have real domain over, real jurisdiction over, is what goes on inside the boundary lines of your body. Your skin is the furthest part out of you. Anything beyond your skin is not in your control, but from your skin inward, what is going on with you is under your authority. Are your thoughts filled with the things of heaven? Are your emotions being overrided by the, the emotions and feelings of heaven? Because we will have thoughts, we will have feelings that don't feel like heaven, but feelings don't get the final say. Intimacy with Christ does. I have a suspicion we have a lot of people who love God, say they love God, but their hearts are far from him. And intimacy is that same word of like when a man lies with a woman. Every detail of their body is known. Every what they might perceive in their flesh as a flaw is known. And yet they live without shame. This is what God invites us to. This is why we put out podcasts every week. This is why we want to get you so viscerally in your body that you feel you breathe, you might even blister and bleed, but you're loved and you're known from your soul to your skin, outward in and inward out, top down, bottom up, you are known. Knowing God personally from our hearts and not just our heads is intimacy. Knowing who God is and who God tells us we are is intimacy. And when we know God and we know who he says we are, we gain the keys. Authority comes from knowing how life works. And when we know how life works, it's because we know the author of life. Our father who is in heaven and wants to bring heaven here on earth through the love and care of his children. Authority comes from having intimacy with God. You will not maintain a body revelation. You will not maintain freedom out of the obsessed neglect cycle, living the fullness of your life without the intimacy of Christ. So friend, what is your intimacy practice? 
This is why we get uh, give you Be Still and Be Loves. And if you go to the um, app, we have more of those. We have these meditations where you just rest and get to be known. You don't get to put on your bootstraps and use your muscle strength and sometimes revving the words or sometimes rev all TV or sometimes the things where we get in our body. If we're not careful, we will do it as a way to escape and feel a little bit better when the point is to move all of us, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, we bring it all to God as an act of worship. In order to continue to take ownership, this is your body home, here is your key. Pay attention to what is going on inside of it. Take out the trash. You are going to need to have vision. (laughs) I'm not sure if you know this or not, but just in case you don't, Right now, The Body Revelation, my book that released in June, is available everywhere and anywhere. Pick it up to learn how to metabolize pain, banish shame, and connect to God with your whole self. If your body has felt more like a problem to be solved than a mystery and a beauty to be discovered, then you need to pick up this book. Everything we do on this podcast, back at Revelation Wellness, over on the website, in the app, is pointing you towards this greater message of healing. But before we can receive good news with all of who we are, we've got to be willing to look at some of the bad news. We can do this, friends. This is why we train. We can hold the tension. So I sure hope you will pick up a copy of The Body Revelation, and let's keep training. In order to continue to take ownership. This is your body home. Here is your key. Pay attention to what is going on inside of it. Take out the trash. You are going to need to have vision. (laughs) Vision is required. Why? Because wherever there is desire, there is vision. If you have desired something, it's because you've had eyes for it. Maybe somewhere you saw that car you wanted and so you desired it and so you worked and you saved. You had a vision. Life happens because there's a desire deep inside of us and a vision outside of us. And when that inward place is connected to the outward place rightfully, desires for God and the vision he has for our life, life works congruently. But if my desires are not his desires and my vision is my vision, then God on kindness and loving mercy frustrates our plans because he would rather have us with us than to have all the things of life. This is why Jesus said it's, it's better to lose your soul and gain life than to gain everything in this life and lose your soul. So everywhere there is desire, there is vision. In the book, I talk about a study that happened at the University of Chicago by um, a guy named Dr. Judd. And this is what's cool. Vision is a real thing, guys. Like your vision is something that can, another word of saying, manifest, bring something to pass just by having vision. You know, before God said, let there be, he had a vision. He had a desire to love and create, even though he knew we would fall and falter and fail. Because he could not contain his love and love just says, you know what? It's going to be good. He created, but he had a vision. 
He didn't just haphazardly, let me throw some stuff here and throw some stuff there. No, he's been thinking about you since eternity past. So there's a study done at the University of Chicago by Dr. Dr. Judd Biasioto, and he demonstrated the power of visual visualization. A random group of students were asked to make basketball free throws, and the students took their best shots and their scores were tallied. Next, the students were broken up into three groups. Now get this in your mind, three groups. One group was told, don't touch a basketball for 30 days. Another group practiced three free throws an hour a day for 30 days. Kind of like you would if you were on a basketball team. And then the final group was asked to come into the gym for 30 days to visualize themselves making free throws. After that month, the groups were asked to come back and make their free throw shots again. And as you can imagine, the group that didn't touch a basketball showed no improvement. The group that practiced every day showed a 24% increase in successful free throws. And now get this. The group that simply sat in the gym and visualized themselves making the shots showed a 23% improvement. That's only 1% less than the group that did the very thing they were visualizing. And in the book, I go on to say, now, could you imagine they didn't do a fourth group? What if they were the group that visualized and practiced the shots? This gets me so excited, you guys. This is it, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is it. This is what we do at Revelation Wellness. Let's practice. Practice getting up again. Practice taking another step. Practice being still. You practice it and you have a vision. Being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. It's out there. Have a vision, a godly vision. We want God's eyes to see. And we walk by faith. And some of us go, oh, that's so frustrating. You know what that is? That's faith. Because if I knew everything, I would override God. And that's just not how life is set up. So life is set up for you to have a desire and to have a vision. Here's how this practically plays out for you in metabolizing your pain. How about while you're not in the fire, when you're not in the crisis, take a moment to visualize what it would look like to walk into that situation or that challenge or that circumstance or that relationship in a way where you see and have practiced seeing yourself as a man or a woman who holds peace. You've already practiced meditating on God's word so that it is in your bones and not just a bumper sticker on your car or a saying on a coffee mug. You have a desire and you have a vision and you practice and you try again and you try again. Along with taking ownership and having vision for your house, like God wants to keep adding on to your life. Do you have vision for it? Do you have eyes to see? Get in his word, listen to the Holy Spirit. His written word and his whispered words are wanting to build a life for you, a life that glorifies God. So beyond just having vision for ownership, we also need words. Words take the desire that is in us and the vision that we see outside of us and they build. 
they built. Words are the power tool that God first used to create everything. And think about it. The first day on the earth and job for Adam was to use this power tool. God goes, here, let me hand this to you. And I want to teach you how to use this. You're going to practice using this power tool. Adam, what I want you to do, name all the animals. Give them words. He didn't say bathe all the animals. He didn't say breed all the animals, milk them, do something with them. Nope. He said, sit back, give them words. What do you see, Adam? I love this. I love this. Such a fantastic story to think about. You know, this even if it's just the allegory of the story that we are given that privilege and power to name anything. What do you want it to be? Zebra. Hippopotamus. <laughs> right? Whatever it is. And we know in another language, which is crazy, that word is something else. Doesn't matter. It's not about the details, guys. It's the fact, the pullback, the big schema of this is the fact that we were given the power of words. And here's the thing about words. Our brains are hardwired to keep us safe. So when we hear a negative word, our brain now holds on to that to keep us safe because we live in a fallen state and not your fault. The pain has been passed down generationally. You have learned how to protect your heart, probably through your mama, your papa, or some type of drama. And so our brains are hardwired to keep us safe. It's why painful words stick. They're sticky. Our brains will attach to negative words quickly in order to do its job of keeping us safe. But our minds are where words are created. I talk about this in the book way back in stage two, kind of explaining your body. In other words, your, your body is like the vehicle. It's the car. Your brain is the engine of the car. It's bits and parts and mechanical. But your mind is the driver in the seat. Your consciousness, what are you aware of? Where do you wanna go? What's the vision that you have? That happens in your mind. So we cannot always believe everything our brain thinks. Your brain is just bringing up the thought that's connected to you surviving and staying safe. This is why for the child of God, for the person who is a follower of Christ, you have a brain, but you live, rise, die, or fall according to how you think with your mind. Renew your mind and your brain will heal. Someone without a renewed mind can't speak or they can speak a word that strikes a spark and sets a forest fire ablaze, as James says. But someone with a renewed mind is mindful of God and God has given us the power tool of words. Words make worlds. And God's word gets the first and final say. I talk about in the book about the Emoto study. Some of you may have heard of it about the, a pseudo scientist who took um, water, containers of water, and with some of the water he, which well, with all the water he exposed them to various conditions of words and pictures and sounds. Some of the words, some of the 
uh, water was ex uh, exposed to like heavy metal, hard rock music, while other mo other water containers were exposed to um, symphony and beautiful music. Some water was exposed to words literally just written on a label, I hate you, you're ugly. And some were written words put on the water, I love you, you're beautiful. And I think even the word Mother Teresa was put on some containers of water. And then he froze all those waters given that the different environments they were exposed to were the words that were exposed to. And without a doubt, when he looked at the crystal formation of the water, it reacted according to that environment of the word. So the more beautiful a word or the more beautiful a song, the more beautiful crystal-like did the water look like in a frozen state. The more destructive, violent, hateful, and ugly the words, the more the water looked shattered and milky and foggy, just not beautiful. You can look it up on YouTube. It's a fascinating study. Again, he gets a lot of kickback because he's a pseudo neuroscientist. He also did another one on rice, but it comes out the same way. And we know this words make our worlds. So to metabolize this pain, pay attention to your words. Pay attention to your words. I go into it further in the book, and I think we need to train this because there's a lot of questions about well, what do I do if I've said something wrong? And what do I do if my body, I tend to return back and back to this. Y'all, you got to go in the context of the book because there's way more foundation laid for this big takeaway. If you are going to have ownership and have a body revelation and stay out and of sex, neglect cycle and live free in your body, words Pay attention to what you say over yourself or to someone else. And all of this, friends, taking ownership and having a body revelation, the end result, celebrate, yo, live joy, living as one who has joy. If you want to know how you are doing with processing pain, how you are doing following Christ, are you maturing? Are you growing? Then ask yourself this one question. How's my joy? How's my joy? And remember, joy isn't happiness. Joy is certainty. Joy is connected to love and peace. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's right there in the vine of the fruit of the Spirit. Joy. Joy confounds people. How can you not be confused or how come you're not afraid we are the people and this is why we train to become the people that confounds this world that's out there seeking biohacking and green juice and living well and living altruistically we are the people to bring the kingdom here and joy means we will hold hands with suffering for the joy set before him, it says in Hebrews about Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and scorned its shame. The cross is the symbol of suffering. So when we wear a necklace around our neck with a cross, or we get a cross tattoo with some scripture on it, friends, you are also saying, you are acquainting yourself to one who says, I know where my joy comes from. And suffering is part of the deal. So listen up, world, flesh, Satan. You don't scare me. <laughs> that 
is authority because of intimacy. You can walk boldly into every circumstance. And even though you're invited to pray, God, could there be another way, right? Suffering, suffering. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is suffering so much that he is sweating blood. We are welcomed to come to God, to make our petitions, to share our mad, bad, sad, scared. That is having body authority. That is the revelation. But in the end, to back up and say, now that you've heard my heart, not my will, but yours. That, friends, is a revelation of heaven on earth. The future is certainty for the people of God. The future is a joy set before us. And the future is suffering. <laughs> I hate to end it on that note, but I'm not one to sell snake oil or shoot it to you half-heartedly. Our future means persecution. Our future means not being at the popular table. And so we must train. Hosting heaven in your body is not an everyday party fiesta where you have friends coming and going. Some days you're eating at table in the valley of the shadow of death, in the presence of your enemy. But guess what? The Lord has set that table before you. So whether you are in a valley season or at a high mountaintop throwing a party in a fiesta, God is still the same. And we are welcomed to his table anytime. Joy is the serious business of heaven, as C.S. Lewis says. So friends, host heaven in your home. If you have enjoyed this, First of all, you have all these podcasts to go back on, but I'm telling you, I just scraped the surface and I want to train with you. So I hope you will join me for the Summer Body Book Club. The content is yours at the end of the year. I want to get this in you, friends. Again, the future is certainty and it does include suffering. And these bodies were designed to endure. A body prepared for Jesus, a body prepared for you. And let us make it very clear. We are living for more than thinner thighs and bigger buys. Our body is for ability. I love you guys. Thank you so much. And thank you as you have blessed me in this season with this podcast and letting me bleed out my eyeballs for this. And guess what? I'm not done. I'll still be talking in all the places in many ways. And don't forget, one of those ways is for you to get a copy of the book and let me train with you. There are 45 training embodiment sessions to get with me and I get to be with you so we can work this out on a metabolic and cellular level, not just information for your head. So if there's any reason to get it, hopefully it is that there's, it is chock full of training for you, not just information. Friends, thank you so much. God, we give it all to you. We bless your name and pray for health and healing and a mercy and a grace on the earth for all who hurt and feel ill. In Jesus' name, peace.